Welcome to the Life Change Podcast. Panhandle Weight Loss Center is a unique surgical practice focused on changing lives. Our approach moves away from the singular goal of weight loss and encompasses one of overall health and wellness. This podcast explores a variety of topics inside the realm of health and wellness, including nutrition, fitness, lifestyle issues, and even surgery. The goal of this program is to inspire listeners to take a critical review of your life as we guide you towards a paradigm that translates to life change. Hey guys, this is uh, Dr. Nikoi at the Panhandle Weight Loss Center, and we're going to have our first uh, ever Ask Anything episode. And so we, uh, through Facebook and uh, some input from uh, our nurse practitioners and uh, Candy, our health coach, we kind of compiled a, a list of things we want to address. Um, and I hope you guys love this. And this, you know, we could uh, go on and on with these. I think there's, you know, there's a lot of questions to 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 get through. Um, there's uh, lots of information and and clarity that that can be. Um, ascertained or, or, or received through, you know, little outlets like this. Uh, so let's keep this rolling. Um, so the, the first question we saw was uh, how to transition from weight loss to wellness. Um, and I think, you know, that general question is kind of aimed at, um, you know, how do I get through the initial uh, I'm going to surgery, I'm recovering from surgery, I've lost some weight. What does the rest of, of this look like? And I think the biggest way to, uh, to address that is, um, you know, don't ever consider it. You know, I tell all my patients, like, don't make this whole journey about the surgery. Um, always focus on the why. Why did you do this? What are you trying to achieve? Is it uh, riding on an airplane without a belt extender? Is it getting off diabetes medications? Is it being more interactive with kids? And to me, the, the biggest transition is moving away from, I'm doing this for surgery, I'm making these changes for surgery, and thinking more about I'm making these changes because of these things I'm trying to achieve. Because ultimately our, our health and wellness is guided by, uh, you know, we our, our accountability system. So, you know, my accountability comes from you know, wanting to, to increase my health span. So how, how active can I be for as long into my life as I can be? And that guides my decisions on workouts. It guides my decisions on what to eat and how do I feel uh, when, when I eat those things. I think just personally, you know, my, you know, I, I went through a phase where I was losing weight and, you know, what, what did it look like when I said, all right, this is the weight I want to be now how do I maximize uh, my health uh, otherwise outside of just body composition and you know those metrics um, the the uh, I think the biggest thing was uh, understanding that my daily intake has long-term ramifications uh, and that, that's dangerous to say I don't want anybody to ever think that this this one meal or this one week where I didn't work out is going to tank you it's a cumulative effect but you know, once you start equating that to, um, you know, what I want to achieve for the, you know, health and wellness wise for the rest of my life, um, y- you know, you can focus it based off that. Uh, there's a few metrics I, I check. Uh, I check labs uh, once a quarter to once, once a, uh, or twice a year. Uh, I'm checking my inflammation labs. I'm checking um, 
my my lipid labs, uh, my omega three to omega six index, uh, and what am I doing in that six months? That and then what does it resulted in? And then I check body composition, and then you know my day to day is guided more about how do I feel, right? So I ate this. How did I sleep? I ate this. You know how did how did my gut feel? How did how did my energy feel? Um, uh, and not so much focusing my food decisions on, you know, how great does this taste? Now, I'm not going to lie. Some of my decisions are based off that. Um, and, you know, we kind of relate if anybody's gone through any of our kind of coursework, we call that 80-20 eating. So 80% of the time I'm, I'm on my game, I'm, I'm eating for, for health. But, you know, 20% of the time, uh, it's probably not going to be as, as, as dialed in. And even, you know, even when I'm off the rockers, as far as a, what I'm eating, I'm still conscious of, of you know, what those long-term ramifications can be. Uh, but I don't let that, you know, uh, get me down in that moment. Like, I, you know, I'm going to eat pizza every once So I got three kids. So pizza parties happen, ice creams happen, hamburgers happen every Saturday at 11 o'clock at Blue Sky. Everybody knows that's where you can find me. Um, but, you know, how does that, you know, how do those decisions, uh, you know, play into the long term? Um, so I think the, the biggest answer there is the transition from I went through surgery to I'm now focused on wellness is making it making your decisions about your goals. You know, what am I trying to achieve? Um, and you know, I can personally say I don't that's not a scale thing for me. I'm not looking at the scale trying to to see those results there i yeah i think because if you fix your energy if you fix your your sleep if you fix all those things the scale follows so you know really focusing on the you know what am i trying to achieve and 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 is what i'm doing right now helping me to do that and then being honest with yourself like hey that's not um, you know, I went keto, but I, you know, I didn't see this like, well, all right, well, let's, let's shift gears. Uh, there's no, there's no perfect, uh, you know, answer out there. Second question was how, how does alcohol fit into my, my weight loss journey? Um, first and foremost, say, you know, what's the purpose uh, of the alcohol? Like, you know, if there's some unhealthy habits there and coping mechanisms, you know, that's a different conversation. Uh, but you know, it's the weekend and I'm social with friends. So, you know, what does that look like? Uh, well, uh, two things. Number one, you got to realize alcohol is a, it's a toxin. Um, and it's, uh, when your body experiences a toxin, it's always a first to burn. So alcohol is energy. So when you intake alcohol, your body focuses its entire, uh, utilization, utilization of energy off, off the alcohol content. So, um, you know, you're not burning, you're not going to burn fat. You're, you're not going to, you know, every time you drink alcohol, you're kind of delaying that, that fat, that fat burning, uh, approach. Now life, life happens and, you know, enjoyment needs to be had. That's, you know, this whole journey is about, you know, how to enjoy life and maximize that. Um, when I, when I do drink alcohol, um, uh, the, if, if we're going to talk about the health, the health and wellness approach, um, you know, lighter liquors are going to be healthier for you than darker liquors. So like, you know, uh, uh, Blanco tequila or gin or, or vodka, um, or is going to be better than, than the darker liquors. Um, don't buy into the, the light beer type phenomena. Um, there's nothing, I mean, uh, 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 Coors Light is about the same thing as drinking a Diet Coke. Uh, there's obviously less sugar in it, so people are kind of selling that to you as, as, as low 
calorie or low carb, but it's, you know, they're replacing it with other equally toxic things like high fructose corn syrup and artificial flavorings and things of that nature. So uh, if you're going to drink a beer, just drink something you like. Um, now, if we're talking about volume, that's a, like I said, that's a different discussion. You got to go back to the purpose of, of why you're drinking that, that, that alcohol. Uh, but yeah, those are the kind of the ways I approach it. Uh, I think where people get in a lot of trouble with weight and alcohol is what you mix it with, right? So, you know, Crown and Coke, Jack and Coke, uh, it's, it's simple syrup added to a lot of cocktails, um, um, you know, things of that nature. Uh, that's where you're going to accumulate a lot of lot of bad stuff pretty quickly and is what you mix it in. So, you know, vodka and Topo Chico or Perrier or some sparkling water with salt and lime, uh, at our house, we call that you don't uh, 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 you don't know nothing. Uh, that's the the uh, vodka, Topo Chico, salt, lime, um, and that's you know to me that's probably one of the cleanest uh, you know alcoholic uh, cocktails you can do. Uh, if you like gin, I know not not everybody likes gin, but uh, that's another another one you can can, can get in there. Um, but overall, you know, uh, I, I tell people this about when you eat something bad, like you know, make it about the experience. If you're having a good experience with friends, you're having fun, you're not going to wake up the next morning all guilty that you ate a piece of pizza or had a beer, right? Um, uh, so anyways, that's kind of my view on on alcohol consumption and weight loss. Uh, third one was marijuana, um, you know, either medically or recreationally. Um, now, uh, obviously, there's some legal ramifications to, to this conversation, but if we're just purely talking about, um, you know, using it and uh, how does that fit into my health and wellness journey? It really comes down to uh, what are you using it for, right? Is this just pure enjoyment? Is it pain relief? Um, And then unfortunately, a lot of genetics play into your response to using uh, marijuana, whether that's it creates uh, low level anxiety, paranoia, does it relax me? Um, does it um, does it alter any other chemical, you know, brain wise or metabolic wise? And that's that's so different for everybody um, that it's really hard to really to give an answer to that without knowing some specific genetic testing, which I know is not available uh, to everybody. Um, so, you know, when I talk about mar- you know, when I think about marijuana use in my in, in a health and wellness journey, it really comes down to you know, just like alcohol, what are you using it for? Um, and do you have a perceived or, you know, actual benefit from it? Right. So, you know, if, if, if it's a coping mechanism, then, you know, how does it compare to alcohol? How does it compare to, you know, uh, a lot of other stuff that we tend to, to cope with food? Um, and then, you know, what are the, the responses to the use? You know, it, if it is, is it helping me with anxiety or is it creating anxiety? Um, is it helping with my pain or is it not helping with my pain? Um, so, you know, that's personal to everybody. Uh, so it's all about, you know, benefits and, you know, perceived benefits. Um, I'm not going to say if you if you have a benefit, you, you should stop. Right. Um, uh, it literally comes down how it play to how it you know plays into your life. Um, what is uh, what does my diet look like uh, in workouts? That was another question we got. Uh, so I'll start with workouts. Uh, I aim for two to three days a week, uh, and this is all based off the primal teaching that's part of our coursework here. Um, 
you know, two days a week, uh, you know, going, going, you know, fairly decently, uh, uh, intensity wise and weight wise, uh, you know, so the best way to describe it would be kind of hit training. So high intensity, um, uh, you know, higher weight uh, or moderate weight, uh, high rep, you know, really, really moving, getting your heart rate up. And then, you know, in an ideal world, I'd probably add another two days in there of, of less intensity type stuff. Uh, I'd say when I was at my, you know, peak wellness, I was trying to incorporate uh, uh, sprinting or some, something really intense every 10 to 14 days. Um, and that's kind of based off the hormet- you know, hormo- hormonal response to like an intense stressor, whether that's, you know, doing some sprints or whether that's, you know, really pushing on an exercise bike, like, you know, beyond your comfort level type pushing it. Um, but in actuality, two days a week is my goal, um, trying to, to stay consistent with that. And people have heard me talk about, uh, uh, or my patients have heard, heard me talking about work, working out. Uh, number one, you know, what kind of workout are you doing and what are your goals, right? Because you can be building muscle, you can be building endurance, you can be trying to lose fat. And those are all three different workouts. Um, and so, you know, if you're, if you're kind of lost in that space, like really seek some help, whether that's a trainer or, you know, using our health coach here. Um, and, uh, you know, so that's kind of the summary of the, of the, of the, the workout, uh, diet, um, personally right now where I'm at, uh, so I, I'm doing time restricted feeding or intermittent fasting. So, you know, I won't have my first meal of the day till about one o'clock, uh, 1231 o'clock. And sometimes I push that if I'm not hungry, I, I you know, I'll push that out even further. Uh, breakfast, yeah, I skip breakfast. I'm doing coffee. Uh, I, you know, I try to be consistent with adding MCT powder or MCT oil. Uh, so medium chain, trigl- medium chain triglyceride oil or powder, uh, specifically C8. And I know that's getting, you know, getting pretty nerdy, but, uh, the, uh, the, there's differences in MCT and, uh, the, the C8 chain, the, the, car, the eight carbon chain has a better, uh, uh, mental clarity, you know, mental boosting aspect, which is why I'm using coffee in, in the first place. Um, and so I'll do that and, you know, that really staves off my hunger until, you know, 1230, one o'clock, one thirty, two o'clock, um, lunch, uh, you know, it's, it's usually a, a protein fat forward, uh, car carbohydrate, if it, you know, if, if there's, if there's space, when I say carbohydrates, I'm talking about vegetables. Uh, so either, you know, uh, bell peppers or onions or, um, you know, uh, something of that nature, avocado, uh, I guess maybe avocado is a fruit. Um, but, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's very focused around, uh, protein and fat. So, uh, not shying away from healthy fats, not shying away from protein, very, very little carbohydrate. And then dinner, usually at home, uh, I'd say we, you know, we're eating in our house probably 95% of the time. Um, uh, usually, uh, protein, uh, portion, whether that's steak, pork, chicken, fish, and then, uh, vegetables, whether that's, uh, you know, asparagus or, Brussels sprouts or broccoli or cauliflower, or zucchini, uh, salad uh, with uh, dark green dark green leaves. Um, um, you know, uh, greens in general. You know, mustard greens, uh, Swiss chard, um, uh, rad, uh, radish greens, uh, uh, beet greens. Uh, we have a pretty robust garden, so uh, we we tend to pick through there when it's available. Um, so that's a general look. Uh, you know, one thing I, I was, uh, was going to comment on my, my lunch today, 
uh, when I get caught in situations where, you know, I, I can't get out of the office or there's no, there's no food here, I always keep uh, packs of mackerel and smoked oysters. And I know that's not going to appeal to like 60% of the people, maybe even higher, that are listening to this, but uh, a wild-caught mackerel in a can, uh, wild-caught uh, uh, oysters, quick snack, healthy fats. And I had that with an avocado today and with a generous amount of salt on top. Um, so that's kind of my quick go-to, hey, I don't have any other options uh, type type meal. That prevents me from, you know, running to the closest fast food place or the, and, and you know, the challenge here is, is fi- each person finding their go-to snack like that. Um, having it available, you know, I like, I like uh, canned fish and canned oysters because the shelf life is like 10 years. I'm actually looking at the package right now. Let's see when it expires. Oh, so this uh, just bought this and expires in 2025. So like a five-year shelf life, uh, as long as you don't like leave it in your car and and bake it, you'll probably be good. Um, so that's kind of my general general approach. Um, the next question was uh, books to read. So I think you know, um, and this is strictly speaking from a kind of health and wellness uh, component. Um, so you know, not not getting into any other books about mentality or um, you know, fiction, nonfiction stuff. I think the, the, the books that had the biggest impact on me in kind of learning my nutritional approach, number one, The Obesity Code by Jason Fung, um, really gets into the science and mechanism of how our body deals with fat and, um, and also, you know, how that leads to other, other benefits, whether it be from a cardiovascular benefit, so, you know, decreasing your chances of a heart attack or a stroke, cancer um and just overall how do we age um and this was really like the the first time i really got insight into what actually like the science behind losing fat and the 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 biggest take-home message here is it has nothing to do with calories um and i know the generalized health and fitness world and you know your sister that's telling you how to lose weight and your buddy at the gym it's all about calories, but it, it's not. Uh, it's mainly controlled, and when I say mainly, like totally controlled by uh, your hormonal response to the food you eat. And he, he talks about intermittent fasting and time-restricted feeding and, and you know, targeting your you know, certain uh, ways of eating to controlling hormones. And so the biggest you know, hormonal culprit is insulin, insulin sensitivities. Nobody makes a big deal out of that until they're, they're, you know, your primary care doctor says, hey, you're diabetic take these medications um but you know we all you know most most people that have you know uh, uh, fat they're trying to lose they have an insulin sensitivity issue uh whether that's showing up in the form of diabetes that's already you're 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 15 20 years too late uh to the to the insulin you know party um and then there's other hormones that feed into that whether it's uh, ilp1 glp1 adiponectin adipokinase uh, leptin i may have already said that one uh, but, you know, the, the book really draws uh, uh, the focus on the, the hormonal response to the foods we eat. Um, and that's the, the whole premise behind intermittent fasting and time-restricted feeding is, is just zeroing out that response. So if, you, if you're not eating something, you're not getting a bodily response to those foods. And so the best way to control that is to, you know, to, to you know, incorporate some intermittent fasting or time-restricted feeding. Um, Second book, I think it was the biggest eye opener to me, 
and the way you know the the society talks about diet but it was called the case against sugar uh, that's a book written by Gary Taubes or Taubes. Uh, hopefully, I'm not mispronouncing his name, but an investigative journalist that just went into the origins of how our government got so involved in pushing the carbohydrate sugar agenda on people. If you looked at the old food pyramid, if you looked at you know the any way that uh, people were told to eat, it was really focused around these certain carbohydrates. And that thing. Let's take a moment there to, to talk you know, describe carbohydrate because uh, people tend to have a positive connotation to carbohydrate versus a negative thought of what sugar is. Um, now they're all carbohydrates. They're all sugars. Carbohydrate is another word for sugar. So you know when we talk about fruits, when we talk about vegetables, when we talk about um, you know flour, grains, things that are coating fried foods. Uh, the white stuff on your tabletop, the um, high, fructo- high fructose corn syrup that's pack, you know, that's in small print on the packaging of the foods that you eat, even the ones that are called healthy, uh, that's all sugar. That's all carbohydrates. And so, you know, a lot, you know, <clears throat> sorry. In the uh, early on, they went, you know, the government was kind of come up with these food recommendations. Um, they, you know, tended to. Uh, demonize fats, and unfortunately, they threw all fats into the the bad the bad uh, macronutrient bucket. So, you know, whether it was uh, a saturated fat, an unsaturated fat, or a polyunsaturated or a monounsaturated, all fats were evil. Right? That's what was killing us. Uh, that's what we give. That's what was giving us all of our cardiac disease. And so, the government adopted this you know whole subsidy program and promotion program around uh, getting more carbohydrates, uh, fruits, vegetables, grains, rice, flour, corn, wheat, and all these things that were at the base of the pyramid. So they were telling you the majority of your diet should be these things. Um, and this book kind of goes into the very flawed research that that uh, that gave those recommendations to the, to the government. And yeah, to be fair, tremendously eye-opening and uh, especially if you're like a cons- like if you lean type you know conspiracy theory esque uh, this you know this will really uh, pique your interest. Uh, I you know I always tell people the one book that really got me more into thinking about health and wellness was a book called Tools of Titans by Tim Ferriss, and um, it's not yeah you know, the the all the book is is like a, a hundred different interviews summarized and uh, Fer- Tim Ferriss uh, basically went around and. Talk to the, uh, the the most uh, uh, well-known and successful uh, people in the financial world, the mental health world, and uh, the athletic world, and basically try to find all the commonalities between all these people. Like, what are the the traits? What are the the habits? What are the uh, mental approaches to life that all these people share? Um, and a great book. Um, you know, it's a, there's a lot of stuff in there that people don't talk about. Um, and you know, that was, that was the, I'm not going to say it was the most informative on health and wellness, but it was the book that encouraged me to think deeper, uh, you know, to think more than, uh, you know, eating protein bars and, and, uh, getting enough sleep. Like what else, you know, what else is out there when you see these kind of common, common, uh, um, uh, habits among these types of people, then you're like, all right, well, you know, there's, there's gotta be something to that. All right. Next question was uh, websites uh, that I follow. Um, so, you know, I, I'd say the website that had the biggest impact on my life was uh, Mark's Daily Apple. 
Uh, it's a website ran by um, Mark Sisson, who makes uh, primal the, the primal education course and the primal lifestyle, and makes uh, a lot of uh, foods and supplements uh, that are uh, branded primal. Um, so when I first, my wife got me introduced to, to Mark Sisson, like you know, uh, 15 years ago, and I just kind of, you know, kind of poo-pooed it all. I'm like, ah, this guy's like just genetically gifted. He's ex-triathlete. Um, but then when you see pictures of the guy, like, uh, you know, 65, 70 years old, and he's, you know, 4% body fat, and he's out surfing, and you're like, all right, well, maybe there's something to follow on this guy. Um, so, you know, I really started following his his, his website and, and his uh, blog, and um, just you know, what I love about it is just common sense. Uh, he's not throwing a bunch of science over people's head. It's just like, hey, this is this is how I live, and these are the the also the people that are following my my kind of advice, and this is how they live, and um, you know, there's some pretty good impact there. Um, another uh, big website I follow is uh, Sean Stevenson. He runs a uh, website called the Model Health Show. Once again, investigative journalists uh, really kind of lays out uh, the science and the approach to health and wellness that's that's easy to understand, right? Because quickly, if you get into the science of all this, it goes over everybody's head, mine included. So, how do you boil this down into something that people can do that that can they can go out and and apply to their daily life? Uh, so, those those would probably be the two biggest uh, websites. Um, the uh, next question was you know, certain recipes. I think you know we, we probably should save that for a whole different uh, 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 you know, episode or some kind of ebook. But you know, the, if I could give advice to people on one thing uh, that we could drastically change at our house, number one is you know we rarely cook with any uh, uh, large production type grains or you know so wheat, uh, flour. Uh, cornmeal, um, you know, any of those things uh, we've just pretty much eliminated. Now, they're still in the pantry because my wife does like to drag them out and get really fancy sometimes. Um, but uh, we, we rarely use that on a, on a day-to-day basis. Uh, another big change is the oils that we cook our foods in. So whether you're grilling or sauteing or, um, you know, using a Ninja or an air fryer or, you know, whatever it may be, uh, you've got to use the appropriate oils. Uh, you know, I, I grew up, my grandma was using Crisco and uh, margarine and, um, you know, all this, you know, stuff that was being pushed. But, you know, step one, just, uh, you know, th- there's th- three things we cook with. Number one is, is olive oil. Uh, and that's got to be low heat. You can't you can't heat olive oil up or it gets toxic for you. So, you know, things that you're, you're lightly sauteing on the stovetop or, uh, we use olive oil for our salad dressing, so olive oil and salt. We've come eliminated all the the ranches and French and Thousand Islands because it's not but corn syrup and sugar and all those. Um, so you know, uh, olive oil uh, for low heat, uh, high heat. So you know, for putting it in the oven at 450 degrees, if we're really getting hot on the uh, the stovetop or the grill, uh, we're going to use coconut oil or avocado oil. Coconut oil to me has a little bit of a coconutty taste. So if I'm cooking something where I don't want that in there, I'm not going to use coconut oil. Avocado oil really does not have a noticeable taste. So you can you can use it, um, you know, uh, on just about anything. And you can use both of those at low low temperature cooking as well. 
Um, you know, when we talk about oils, they, you know, the big term is uh, smoke point. So when does it start to smoke? So when is it breaking down? Um, and I forget the, the specifics, but olive oils, you know, in that 100 to 150 to like uh, sub 200 range, whereas avocado and, and coconut oil, you can get to 450, 500 uh, before it really starts breaking down and becomes toxic. All oils become toxic at some level. Um, so, you know, just, you know, a lot of people out there frying turkeys and peanut oil. Uh, and peanut oil does have the ability to get a little, little <clears throat> higher before it starts to break down. But you know, just the negative uh, impact of peanut oil in your on your body is is something you definitely have to. Because if you're only eating peanut oil once a year while you fry your turkey, probably not a big deal. But if you're going to Chick Fil A like every day, which is you know they fry they fry all their stuff in, in peanut oil, that's that's going to be a different story. So we'll kind of leave that with our summary of recipes. Um, you know, it's, uh, I mean, there are a few cookbooks uh, that we, we use a lot. Uh, um, and I'm going to have to Google while I'm, I'm talking about this. Uh, but uh, ben, ben Greenfield uh, has a, a cookbook, uh, very clean. Every, every ingredient is going to be clean. Um, and this is called a Boundless Cookbook. Um, another cookbook I started using when I first started cleaning up my diet. And I know there's going to be a term in here that really confuses people, but it was uh, it was just called ketogenic cooking by Maria Emmerich. Um, just ignore the fact that it says ketogenic on there because it's like a whole other layer of conversation. Uh, but uh, you know, very uh, very clean, very natural ingredients. Um, so that was a, that was a big one, a big one that we that we uh, kind of a, adapted into our, our daily routine. Um, other than that, you know, uh, we don't really get fancy with cooking. It's uh, it's going to be steak with um, with uh, salt and pepper on it, with uh, finished in in Kerrygold butter, so high quality butter. Uh, oh, and going back to cooking oils, uh, you can use a really high quality butter, uh, you know, up until you know pretty a pretty high temperature. Uh, ghee. I don't know if any, if everybody knows what ghee is, but it's like a, a clarified uh, butter. So kind of the, the the you know that when they fractionate butter out uh, to make uh, so that you're gonna get ghee. Um, also, and this probably scares a lot of people, but you know if you're you know using beef lard, it's called tallow. You know when you go when you go look on the uh, grocery short uh, grocery store uh, uh, shelves. Uh, but uh, also something really, really healthy to cook with. Uh, nothing toxic, nothing, it's just all natural. Um, uh, so next question was uh, people to follow on social media. And I think this really depends on what your goals are. Um, you know, the people I follow are, are Peter Atia, um, uh, and Gary Taubes, uh, Ben Greenfield, um, John Stevenson, um, you know, I know, so, you know, things like that. I mean, but, but uh, some of those can get pretty, pretty scientific driven. Um, so, yeah, I think if I was going to baseline recommend one, it would be Sean Stevenson, uh, the Model Health Show, um, that really getting into important things, but making it easy to easy to take in, easy to follow, easy to put into your into your daily life. Uh, so that's probably the, the the prime one that I would recommend. All right. So the next question was post-pregnancy. Um, so I, I had surgery, or I went on a health and wellness journey, and got to you know somewhere where I wanted to be. Uh, got pregnant, uh, put on some weight, and I just can't. I can't get back to where I was going. I can't get that weight off. Um, I think there's two 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 sides to this conversation. Um, 
Number one is looking, you know, of, of kind of your journey through through pregnancy, and um, you know, I'm I'm not an obstetrician by any means, uh, but my whole philosophy with uh, with pregnancy is uh, moms need to take care of themselves first, right? If you take care of yourself, that baby is going to do just fine. So you know, there's there's some things out there, and uh, and I know there's lots of emotions that kind of go into you know, uh, uh, pregnancy and the, uh, the, um, you know, the, the, uh, the difficulties of carrying a child and, you know, there's something growing in you. And so you, you, you have people around you that kind of give you these comfort terms, like, you know, you're, you know, eat what you want. Um, you know, you're eating for two, you're, you know, there's, and, you know, I think a lot of times and, and dads are included in this, but we kind of just let our guards down from a health and wellness standpoint while you're pregnant, because, you know, society tells us like, you've got to do all these things to make sure you're baby is going to end up uh, healthy. But, you know, if I could give one piece of advice, um, you know, if you're thinking about getting pregnant or you're pregnant and it's take care of you, take care of your health, take care of, of mom and apply that mentality after as well. Right. So give your space uh, and give yourself time. And if the husbands are listening to this, always emphasize the health of your wife uh, or your partner, you know, uh, and vice versa. Uh, because if, 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 if who you are, if you're not being the best person in that relationship, whether that's a parental relationship or whether that's a, uh, you know, a marital relationship or a friendship, if you're not being the best you, you're not benefiting the, the combo uh, as well as, as you want. Um, so, you know, if, and I think if, if people want to learn, you know, want to talk more about that, you know, uh, without inundating people with, uh, with too, too much of my, my thoughts on, uh, 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 pregnancy and, and how we, you know, treat health and wellness while people are pregnant or while they're trying to get pregnant, um, you know, come in and let's talk about that. But overall, take care of yourself, uh, emphasize your health and wellness, emphasize your feelings, while you're carrying that child. And I think on the other end, you won't have as much difficulty uh, getting back to where you want to get to. Now, um, say, you know, you've had that child and, you know, now it's now it's it's game time because now your your sleeping is really thrown off and your stress level is really thrown off and your diet's really thrown off. Um, and you have no time and now you're getting back to work and you still have the house to clean and Man, um, that's this is where my sympathy for moms really kind of piles on is because your time gets torn in like six thousand different directions. Um, so once again, protecting that space to be the best person that you can be for you, for yourself, and then then extrapolate that and then take that over to your parental relationship and your marital relationship. So you know, if if I could give one piece of advice for trying to get back on track after pregnancy is number one, you've got to create that time. You've got to create that space for yourself to focus on that. Uh, to me, that is the biggest challenge for every mom. That's, uh, you know, your, your, your time just got cut, I'd say in half, but you know, you didn't have much free time to begin with. So really, you know, sitting down with your spouse, your significant other, your, your, uh, your partner and saying, Hey, look, these are the things I need to emphasize in my life. Um, and you know this is what I need to do to, to be the best person I can be. Um, 
and in addition, like when you approach when you approach food, you're I mean, your pregnancy is a hormon it's a hormonal roller coaster. And, you know, as I was saying earlier in this podcast, you know, we know now that the majority of your weight is controlled by hormones. Uh, now people want to gravitate towards sex hormones, testosterone and estrogen, but you know, you're getting back in control of that insulin, uh, and, uh, getting back in control of those hormones that we know affect, uh, your, your, your fat content and your body composition are, are, you know, are pretty, you know, a, a big priority in that, that first phase. So you can get back on top of things. Um, now I know that doesn't answer all the questions. So if that sparks, uh, something you want to come talk about, definitely let's, let's continue that conversation. Um, so two more questions or three more questions. What, what we need to be, uh, cognizant of how food makes you feel, uh, scale and how this plays into that and, uh, eating emotions. Uh, so a fairly complex question. Uh, if you're if you're experiencing trigger eating, so like I you know I'm I gravitate towards food when I'm depressed, anxious, tired. Uh, you got to address the the root cause. You know what what is causing that anxiety? What is causing my depression? What is causing? Can I do anything about it? Uh, can, if I can't do anything about it, uh, how do I cope with it? How do I compartmentalize it? How do I put it in its appropriate space to where it doesn't trickle down and affect my entire uh, life? So that's a that's a you know that multiple layers to being more cognizant of how you feel. I you know I primarily relate it to energy. You know what you know what am I doing and and do I feel the energy that I think that I, that I should have? Am I ready to go in the morning when I wake up? Am I able to play with my kids when I get home, even after a day of, of work, or am I headed straight to the couch? Right? Am I um, and you know being being cognizant of how your the food you eat uh, uh, plays into that you know for example up until you know three or four years ago my my favorite lunch was a sandwich man my, my wife calls me a sandwich king or did um one of our christmas ornaments is a sandwich uh because i ate so many sandwiches um and then we moved to amarillo i mean jimmy john's was my jam you know it could be there quick i didn't have to think about it but you know, two to three hours after I ate it, I was literally talking to patients and like like taking little mini naps as I was listening to them to talk. Um, and that to me, that's what you know. I was yeah, I wasn't in tune with how what was doing that. You know, I thought oh, it's just life. I got kids. I got a job. So you know, I immediately you know once I cleaned that stuff out of my diet, so the bread went away, the sandwich for lunch. Uh, and then all that brain fog and, and wanting to take a nap and not being able to keep my eyes open and, you know, having to slap myself to get, you know, to make the 12 minute drive home, that all that went away. And so when I, in looking at being more cognizant of how food, uh, affects your emotions and how you feel, it's just being in tune with, you know, just simple observations like, Hey, you know, I ate, uh, you know, um, you know, brisket for lunch and I'll have reflux, right? Cause that, I'm giving a, one of my examples. Like if I eat smoked meats, I'm going to have reflux two to three hours later. So I tend to avoid it. Now I do love barbecue. So sometimes I just pay the, uh, pay the, pay the price of the reflux, uh, and go for it. Uh, but I am aware like, Hey, I'm going to eat this. It's going to do this to me. Uh, so I can either choose to avoid it or go for it. Um, last question. What do I think is the biggest threat to, health during this pandemic. Now, this is multiple layers of loaded, uh, but you know, I'm gonna give you a 10,000 foot view. 
and it's fear. Uh, the, the fear that, um, that we are experiencing or, you know, some people are experiencing probably is the biggest detriment that, that is being brought on by this pandemic. And, and, you know, and what I'm saying there is, uh, the process of living in fear or having, you know, uh, this baseline fear of, of what's going on, um, that creates hormonal response, whether that's uh, adrenal exhaustion, whether that's insulin sensitivity issues, whether it's, uh, you know, whatever it may be, the down the downline uh, effects of fear and anxiety and, you know, depression and all these things that, that are, you know, are, po- you know, are rearing its head during this time. Um, you know, that to me, if, if I could say, you know, one thing that's going to, you know, improve your, your outcomes, uh, you know, with this pandemic is addressing that, you know, what, what's causing that fear? What can I do about it? Uh, can I change the risk? If I'm, if I can't, why am I, you know, what is my fear here? Um, so, you know, that, and to, to, you know, add upon that, you know, when you're living in fear, you're not making good choices in other aspects of your life. Uh, that ultimately affect your your health and wellness, um, and you know I think one thing this pandemic has has showed us is that we we definitely need to be more cognizant of our health and wellness. Um, you know, not you know obviously this is a once in a hundred year type situation, but you never know. Um, and so you know you got you you got to view the you got to view it as every day I'm training for the unknown, right? I'm, I'm, you know, it's hard to get up and go to the gym or it's hard to walk out to the garage and get a workout in. It's hard to make good food choices. Um, but you know, what is, you know, what, what, what am I, what risk am I putting myself in if I don't, you know, clean those things up, if I don't address those things? Um, all right. Sorry, Larry. Uh, sorry. Last, last official question. The biggest thing I want people to know about the standard American diet um, and conventional farming, and why does it matter? Um, so this, you know, could be its own podcast in itself. Uh, but the the biggest thing you need to know is uh, people aren't putting food on your table because they want to. They're doing it more so because it turns a profit. So when you start considering, you know, profit in farming and ranching, you're you have to consider, you know, what is that animal being fed. What are they putting on those fields? Um, what's in that dirt? You know what? You know what? At, at a big level, how is that food being treated before it gets to you to be able to to eat it? Um, so farmlands depleted of nutrients. Uh, the biologic activity in the soils depleted. Um, so you know, there's a lot of additives going into farmland. Uh, and there, yeah, I mean, you got to do your research. There's, uh, I think the catch term you want to look for right now is regenerative agriculture. Uh, so that's people trying to rehab land and grow things appropriately, Re- regenerative uh, farming and ranching. You know, how am I, uh, uh, basically, what kind of steward of the land am I? Because ultimately our health go- is going to, ultimately our health is going to go back to soil health, right? Uh, so if, if we have depleted soil and there's no nutrients, um, it's going to produce uh, a, a product that is, you know, depleted, right? So, you know, for example, you know, 50 years ago, you could get your daily supply of iron from a bowl of spinach. Now you'd have to eat like, you know, the entire Sam's refrigerator section of spinach to get that same amount of iron. 
So our foods do not have in them what they used to have, and that's only going to get worse, and there's no signs of that getting better. Uh, so once you're aware of that, um, you, you you become more cognizant of, you know, do I need to be taking a supplement? Do I need to be, you know, buying a certain product or there's there a certain producer out there that I need to gravitate towards? And, um, you know, what to know about the standard American diet is, is, you know, in my opinion, it's all driven by subsidies. So, you know, if you if you have money going into one sector, say, it, say, it, you know, whether it's corn or whether it's, you know, uh, soybean or so you have this excess of it. So where is it going to go? Right. What are you going to do with it? Uh, because it's been subsidized. We can't, you know, rice, you know, we're going to we're going to ship it off to Japan this year because, you know, they had a devastating rice harvest there or it's going to go to Haiti. Um, so it's all production driven. And, you know, I'm a I'm in, I'm a fan of capitalism, uh, but you, you do have to be more you have to be cognizant of, you know, what is the quality of the food? And I'm not talking about organic. I'm not talking about um you know, things of that nature. Organic just means they didn't put any pesticides on it, right? So, you know, but it, it tells you nothing about the soil that that, that that, you know, product is being raised in. Because ultimately the soil content and what's in that soil is going to be, you know, what grows out of it is a, is a direct reflection of what it's grown in. Same way with a cow, same thing with a pig, same thing with a chicken, right? What is it eating, right? So, yeah, I think that the catch term right now and kind of health and wellness world is uh, what, what, what are you eating? What's it eating, right? I, I probably screwed that up. But, you know, paying more attention to, you know, just baseline, what, what's the diet of that animal and how does that affect? Because, you know, earlier in this podcast, we we're talking about food and how it affects your hormones. And, you know, it does the same thing to animals. It does the same thing to plants. You know, what is their food? Uh, and, and, you know, how does that, how does that affect you? Um, well, that's it. I, uh, we covered a lot. Uh, probably a lot of that was probably too concise. Uh, if you guys listen to this and you're like, Hey, I'd really like you to spend a whole episode on that topic and learn more about that. And then just leave it in the comments. Uh, but we uh, hope this was uh, helpful and we look forward to doing more of these. Thank you guys.